Welcome to That 80 Show, and hopefully it is a better week for That 80 Show than it has been for That 70 Show. Dory, Ooh. no, no, no. Ooh, no, no, no. You didn't. No, you didn't. Good time to be that 80 show, bad time to be that 70 show. What is going Dude. on? Dude. <laughs> oh boy, talk about ruining a legacy. That was like pretty shit to begin with, but I mean, oh boy. Yeah, exactly. Not that 70 show and definitely not that 90 show, but Dory made yeah. a request. She says, may we pop out from the 80s into the 90s for a moment, and I said, it's not up to me. I asked listeners. Well, it totally is up to us. It's our show. Totally. And as we Dory. know from past times when we have popped into the 90s, the reception has been quite favorable. You Gen Xers, you Gen Xers definitely love, love the show. <laughs> you know, we interview Hadaway. You people love it. We do that 90s show. You people love it. Maybe we should take the hint because we do that 80 show, not so much. <laughs> Maybe we take the hint. Okay. Look, Let us. I'm all look, about, I'm, you know, I'm all about the 80s. I know. I, I, so am I, but I'm also about the 90s. So let me just go. I'm going to put on my Boys of London jeans. I'm going to put on a little bucket hat and uh, let's go to that. Maybe I'll sniff some Tiger Bomb. <sighs> Let's go to the night. Let's go to the night. I, sh- I, sh- I should have preempted that this is not necessarily a happy 90s story. Oh, dear. But eh, let's go. So I might be very late to the party on this because it is not new. But this week, I stumbled upon a documentary on YouTube. Now, you know how we always say if something's on YouTube, if the whole thing's on YouTube, it's just a piece of shit. Yeah. That is a precursor to my movie coming up just now. But this is a, they call it YouTube Originals. Like it's made especially for YouTube. You know. Okay. So, you know, you want to talk about YouTube Originals and YouTube Red and that. It was YouTube's ill-fated attempt at being a Netflix. And it spawned, the only thing, good thing it spawned for a while was Cobra Kai. Um, but yeah, not, not for a little, very short while, very short while, very <laughs> yours. almost, almost as short as, um, Ralph Macchio's hairpiece lasted in the swimming pool. But, uh, <laughs> oh dude, no, let's not go there. Um, yeah. So I stumbled upon this thing on YouTube. I don't even know how it happened. Somehow it got served to me, which is a real algorithm fail because it is, a documentary about 90s boy bands. Now, anybody who knows me knows that for me there's only one boy band, and that is Wham. Exactly. There there are no other boy bands in my life that I care about. In fact, I have quite a a disliking for boy bands. But this thing popped up. Duran Duran, not a boy band. I mean, technically, I suppose... All the hallmarks. All the hallmarks. <sighs> what what bros? Oh, but you hate bros. Oh, <laughs> point made. Millie Vanilli. <laughs> Millie Vanilli were a boy band. Not the real Millie Vanilli. No, but I mean, don't talk about those other people, those other charlatans. <laughs> those sh- frauds. <laughs> frauds. Yeah. There, there is a documentary on YouTube originals called... The Boy Band Con. 
I don't know if you've heard of it or seen it. Um, no, I have been conned by okay. boy bands, and I've also heard of a boy band <laughs> called Con, but no, not this oh, documentary. Oh, really? No. <laughs> okay, so I stumble upon this. Somehow it gets served to me while I'm schmoozing on YouTube for other things, and I'm like, oh, why would I want to watch this? But something, something made me click on it. I don't know what it was. Something made me click on it, and I got drawn in to this documentary that is – just over two hours long, no, just under two hours long, sorry. I would. It's something I would never ordinarily watch because it is literally about things that I generally hate. But it's a very well put together documentary and I did not know the story. Many 90s boy band fans would probably know the story. I did not know it and it's very well done and it's very well told. It's the story of Lou Pearlman who is the man who literally invented the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and a couple yes. of other small bands that nobody cares about, but the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. So I don't know if you know the Lou Pearlman story at all. I'd imagine it's salacious. I know the name. I Did he go to Epstein Island? This is kind of where my mind's going. I see Lance was, Bass. Yeah, yes, Lance was Bass a boy band. basically was put it with? together. He yeah, was with NSYNC. Right. Yes. So he put this documentary together and it's very good. It's very interesting. It's very well done. There's there's some fascinating moments in it. Like I said, I didn't know the story. It's kind of a sad and depressing story. I'm just warning you. It's not going to make you feel happy. Um, it's worth watching. I I, I, find, I feel like it's, it's worth a recommend. It's like it's not my movie recommendation of the week. But I'm just saying, if you want to pop into the 90s briefly, hop onto YouTube, type the boy band con and give it a watch. That's all. I just wanted to let people know. I'm quite intrigued. And as somebody who went to a Backstreet Boys concert this year and thoroughly enjoyed myself, um, I will probably be watching that. Disappointed that they do speak to NSYNC, but only the mother of Justin Timberlake. Yes. Not Justin Timberlake himself. Justin Timberlake is not in the documentary. His mother is, and I mean, she really looks like him. It's quite, I mean, the, the resemblance is quite funny. Really? Um, yeah. So they speak to a lot of interesting people. Um, All right. I didn't Before really know anything about Aaron Carter. Oh, his story is tragic. Yeah. Listen, Do you, if you speak to. Uh, so uh, uh, tragic. If you speak to a friend of ours. Um, obviously, Aaron Carter passed away. Was it still this year or, or late last year? And uh, there last are people that think that he was. Yeah, there are people that think he was taken out. It was a hit. He was forcibly drugged, um, and it wasn't an overdose. Dude, I must tell you. Um, I must tell you that I knew nothing about Aaron Carter. I mean, in retrospect, I realized that I knew his big hit, the Candy song. I was like, oh, I know the song. I'd thought all along that it was a woman singing it. Honestly, <laughs> confession, honest confession. I didn't realize it was a young boy child singing the song. This is how unaware of music outside the 80s I am. Um, but after watching this docu, I went down a serious Aaron Carter rabbit hole. It was very depressing. He is... No, not to give a spoiler, but he is the only person who defends Lou Pearlman in this documentary. It is not a, it's not a good story for Lou, but Aaron Carter defended him till the end. And uh, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but like, just watch it. And yeah, it's very sad. And I mean, even the comments on YouTube are like, 
wow, like the saddest part of this is is Aaron Carter. But first of all, how he looks, how upset he gets in the docky. It's it's just a sad story. A sad story. Like it's all just, ugh. But like I said, kind of really, really interesting as well. Like just for someone like me who I didn't know any of these stories. And I have to say, I, if I had watched this docky before Backstreet Boys came out here, I might have been interested to go. Not because I'm a fan of the music, just because I feel like I know some of them now after watching this docu, and I feel like it would be interesting. Like they so, go into like how they put them together and all sorts of things. Interesting, interesting stuff. So the the I, I went to Backstreet Boys, loved it, had a fantastic time. Um, it was mm-hmm. great not actually being the oldest man there because they were. So they were they were all old they're all older than me. I think only one. I think Aaron Carter's brother is probably the same age as me. Otherwise, everyone is older. Um, but yeah. they, you know, the fact that they're still together, they are the longest lasting boy band. And I think, yeah, I think boy band. They've never broken up, never split, never. They are the longest lasting boy band. The last. Well, one. if you. And if you watch the doc, it kind of makes sense because they were bonded through this whole experience that they went through uh, with this dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can sometimes go to concerts, right? And kind of like revival nostalgia bands, you can see they hate each other. You can see they're there because somebody got into some tech shit. Later, yeah. And you can just smell the disdain for each other off the stage where Backstreet Boys was a genuine affection for one another. Absolutely. That's why I what said I'm like, I've kind of softened towards how I feel about them now and sync as well. Ooh, oh, I did not, did oh, not like oh, softened, an NSYNC. Softened a bit. I did yeah. not like an, inst- an NSYNC. I remember, you remember the, t- the, the Tiger Beat and the Teen Beat wanted to have them fight each other, kind of put Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC. And I was like, no, mm. I'm always Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, I won't be having you. I can't be doing that. So, okay, Dory, so... Oh, dude, seriously, watch the docky. This will be so interesting to you then. Really interesting because that that whole thing of putting them against each other was actually like kind of manufactured. Oh, it's no, all, really? It's all in the docky. It's <laughs> all in the docky. No, you must watch it. It's fascinating. Little Dory. step behind the curtain of the music industry, but not a good curtain. Is there such a good curtain, Dory? There is nothing good about the music I mean, industry. <laughs> There is no good, you know. No. That's why everyone's got to take their cue like Except wham and for wham. get out. Exactly. I mean, look at how wholesome and happy the wham docky is. Exactly. Actually, you got to get out while you the, control the narrative. There's the goodness. There is the goodness. Get out while you can control the narrative. So there's Dory taking us into the '90s and being thoroughly depressing about it as well. So it's not even like a Sorry. positive. I uh, went to the, uh, like telling a positive story. So I went to a new dentist and he just turned out to be Dr. Alban. Um, now, once again, back <laughs> practicing dentistry. And just quick shout out while we are talking about that. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen. Our very good friend, a spinoff of the show. You know, I like to take, I do like to take credit for other people's success. <laughs> mm-hmm, of the show. Mm-hmm. Our dear friend, the celeb savant. We birthed him as the chart savant. He grew up, he grew out we of control. We birthed him. <laughs> now there's a mental image. Yes. Oh, oh yes. Mm. Little head. Anyway, so <laughs> we we birthed him and he became the celeb savant and is now one of the most prolific podcasters, interviewing a range of celebrities. And this week, he interviewed Two Unlimited, or his latest episode. 
interviews mm. to Unlimited and finds out their story. So you want to give that a listen. That is the Celeb Savant. Uh, just look for him where you get your podcasts. Yeah. Lots of great interviews. But that's not, 90s related. So we brought it back. Promo yes. for Celeb Savant professionals. That's what you and I do. Support the people in our network. Dory, we love on the show going back and talking about 80s things that cost a lot of money now, right? So yes. I love it. I love it when like a celeb has an auction, right? And you go, oh, look at all these things. Or when a movie, like they they auction off memorabilia and props. I also love it when people are like going through their old shit at home and then they sell it, like specifically very expensive DVDs and VHSs and Betamaxes from the 80s, mm -hmm. right? So if I find something like that, I'm always going to bring it to you. And uh, this one, love it. Freddie Mercury put up a whole bunch of his possessions. Well, they put up a whole bunch yes. of Freddie Mercury possessions up for auction, Dory. It is absolutely fantastic. Let me tell you some of the things, right? Mm. His Yamaha Baby Grand Piano. So we're going to put this link up, that 80 show essay, so you can go through and look at everything. This Baby Grand Piano... They sold for 1.7 million pounds. And they were disappointed yeah. um, that it didn't collect more. He wrote several of his hits on this piano. The one that I loved, right? He left his Kensington home to his close friend, Mary Austin. Now, Mary Austin, very confused feelings, wife, whatever. But he did have a very loving relationship with her. Left his home to her. And... Um, she put a whole bunch of his stuff up for auction. And obviously Ooh. when he passed away, people went to his home, right? Uh, to now go, you know, commemorate, write messages. Leave flowers and things, yeah. Leave flowers, all those things. A garden door, okay, scrawled with messages and um, graffiti and pictures that people had left, sold for 400,000 pounds, a garden door okay. right now. I'm going to ask at this point, does Mary not care anymore? Like, I, how would you not keep no, something like that? I don't know if it's that she doesn't care. She, she, it was an auction towards mm. raising money for the Alton John AIDS Foundation. That's what it was uh, for. Oh, yeah. no. Well, yeah. then Freddie would be uh, okay with it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so we're not So she has had it since the 90s. Exactly. I mean, you must see this door. It's fantastic. It is a garden door, but the graffiti and the messaging and it's just people like know where he lived. Cameron wrote stuff on it. Fantastic. But it's a garden door. It's a 400,000 pound garden door, right? I love it. What that. are you going to do with that? Like, say you buy this thing. What are you doing with it? Are you putting it on your garden? Are you putting it somewhere safely in your house? That yes. seems like an odd thing to buy. Maybe you are... Yes, you're doing all of those things, Dory. Of course you're doing those things. Why wouldn't okay. you? Okay. Okay. Why are you? It's friggin' Freddie Mercury's door, right? I mean, of course you can okay. do stuff with it. Okay. Uh, so I told you about the piano, saw the piano, yes. a manuscript. I know that there was a – oh, I know about the manuscript. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. No, no do continue. I, I want to know if you have any information about the jukebox because I know there was Ooh. a jukebox up for Ooh. sale. Oh, I don't. So there's a manuscript. For Bohemian yes. Rhapsody, that uh, sold yes. for one point, just about one point four million pounds. That's literally like his his initial scribbles of the song, which he right. wrote very quickly. Yes, fifteen page of lyrics, pencil, ball 
points remarks and also revealed that the song was originally supposed to be called Mongolian Rhapsody. Really? That yeah. I don't know. Well, huh. now you know. Coming up later, throw oh, forward no. to 80s Truths and a Lie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, hang on. Is that true? <laughs> no, that is true. So okay. they also sold, of course, it's Freddie Mercury. So there was a Fabergé egg case, uh, Tiffany table lamp, uh, sideboard, a silver snake bangle, the silver snake bangle that he, that he wore in the Bohemian Rhapsody music video, sold for yes. 700,000 pounds. It was only wow. expected to go for 9,000 pounds. That is right. quite some, that's quite a difference. A Cartier onyx and diamond ring that was a gift from Sir Elton John sold for hmm. 273,000 pounds. Hmm. Right. I wonder what happened to the jukebox. But also, it doesn't say, listen, the, the whole lot, all, is it one lot, multiple lots, all the lots, all the stuff that they were selling. Right, mm. um, it is still on the Sotheby's website, and there's also an exhibition that all the stuff was displayed because it went straight back into display, didn't go to the people, whatever. Yet, okay, um, yeah. So you can go look for the jukebox. Maybe that's homework for next week. We'll both definitely forget. But okay. uh, yeah, Brian May not happy. Um, cousin Louis, 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 please find the jukebox for us. Thank you. Oh yes, that's good. That's good because Barrett's. <laughs> Barrett's off interviewing Two Unlimited. Barrett's too busy. I'm sorry. Oh, he's no. too busy. He's, yeah. no, you know, he's no, 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 no. He's mm. got to, he's got, so Brian May, Brian May, I've got to be honest. There's a couple of stories come out about him every now and again. He seems a bit of a sour puss to me. He's always got a little bit of, he's got something to say. <laughs> you know, he's a serious remember? scientist, okay? He can't be playing a, child's things. Was he an astronomer? Astro something. And he ripped his, uh, he, yes. tore his he tore his asshole open gardening during COVID. What? Oh Don't you remember God. that story? I remember. No, I do remember it. I do. I, do. Gardening, I, yeah. I had forgotten. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. reminding me. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> his, his bum, he wrecked him. So, because <laughs> <laughs> he's, 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 he's always got something to say, right? So you're right, because he's, he's a scientist and he says, tomorrow, he's, he wrote this on Instagram. Tomorrow, Freddie's most intimate personal effects and writings that were part of what we shared for so many years will go under the hammer to be knocked down to the highest bidder and dispersed forever. I can't look. To us, his closest friends and family, it's too sad. I mean, I have a solution for you, Brian. Buy right. all the stuff. <laughs> You're the fucking scientist. What are we doing here solving a problem, Brian, man? You go buy it. You should have. It was all no, I, I, I can't. No, but that's what I was saying. That's. I mean, I kind of get what he's saying. That's why I said, does Mary not care anymore? Because I think it's more about the sentimental value than the monetary value. You know I, what I mean? mean? Like, I, I get where he's, I do get where he's coming from. I really do. And he's so iconic. Perhaps it should be in a museum. And I think that's the thing to say, okay, well, now it's going to go. But maybe it should be in a museum. There is something, though, that they – it doesn't give details of it in this article. Again, this will be going to research it. Along with the snake bangle, there are definitely these sunglasses, probably Ray-Ban aviator-style sunglasses, and there is a very bright red digital watch, right? Those an okay. 80s. Is it like a Casio watch? An 80s Casio looks, watch? It looks Casio. It's the, the it's blurry, but I have a Casio watch and the way they write in the top. So it is a Casio watch, but it looks like 
a Casio watch that you could play a video game on. That is something I want, and uh, I will I will buy it for Brian May and give it to him. Poor sod, poor struggling little Shit. scientist. Just go Shit. buy Freddie Mercury's shit, man. What's wrong? <laughs> What's wrong with you, Brian, man? He's been so miserable. He's always got complaining about something. It was that time he spent with Bob Geldof. That, that, that's, that's what happened. They shared hair tips mm. and then complained. So I'm not really into it. <laughs> okay, so uh, what else do we have talking about things from the 80s that cost a lot of money? VHSs. I love it when VHSs pop up and we're looking at the prices. So I found an article. Again, it's a lot of 1990s VHS Disney movies. 101 Dalmatians. Okay. okay. Little Mermaid. Don't care. One caught my attention. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Very rare on of VHS. Course. Came out in 1990. Made in 1989. I'll give it. If you sold that on eBay, you'd get yourself a cool 8,500 pounds for a Ninja Turtles movie. Plus, it's ridiculous. It's it came ridiculous. with a free Pizza Hut voucher. Oh, come on. Get a free that voucher pound. has expired. I don't know. They got to <laughs> well, redeem I'll it. You. <laughs> you got to redeem it. I mean, Pizza would be super cool if they did redeem it. I think it would be super cool of them. I think it would be awesome. Um, so some others here is A Nightmare on Elm Street mm. featuring a very young Johnny Depp. Yes, very young very. Johnny Depp. First one, 4,000 pounds. You. But, but that's the horror collectors version. for you. They're serious. Serious. Mm. Yeah. Goonies. Mm. Goonies. Would you watch Goonies? Would you pay £3,250 for Goonies original? No. We've also got Arnold Schwarzenegger's first movie role, first big Hollywood role. Dubbed his voice out because he couldn't speak so good. Conan. 1300 Conan, 1,381 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a Back to the Future. We heard about a Back to the Future going for fortunes. Here is more run of the mill, 890 pounds. It's Back to the Future 1, so that's to be expected. Uh, we've got, oh, now he has, a, he has one for the book story. He has one for the books. Teen Wolf going for more than Back to the Future, 950 pounds. Who? Teen Wolf 1 or 2? Teen Wolf. For the first one. Because uh, okay. Teen Wolf 2 at Jason Bateman. Yes. Teen Wolf 2, 2, pun, 2, fun with puns. Jason mm. Bateman, fun with puns. Right? Gremlins, 1,000 pounds. And then Rambo, First Blood, 1,200 pounds. Oh, and Halloween with that bitch Jamie Lee Curtis, also 1,200 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get oh into my, my house. I my hope dreams. one day, I actually hope one day, she like comes here or something, or we we stumble upon her somehow. It would be so funny hmm. to just tell her that. Oh, it would be funny. We should send her a link to this podcast. <laughs> we should. I mean, I don't think calling her what I just called her would go down there very well. But I've also been very complimentary about her in the past. If you need some context, go back episode from about three weeks ago. But it all inspired by Jamie Lee Curtis was in my dreams. I shouted "F you" to her because she was trying to climb into mm-hmm. my house. So why was this happening? Was I Nightmare on Elm Streeting it? Was she really in my dreams? Um, but anyway, so that's the context of why I don't like Jamie Lee Curtis. And then finally, 80s things that not only sell for a lot of money, he has an 80s thing that cost a lot of money. Dory, an 80s song, did you know this? An 80s song 
holds the record of being the most expensive album cover of all time. Hang on. Is this an album cover designed by Simon Halfin? Again, it's self-promo, Simon Halfin, <laughs> producer of the Wham! documentary, <laughs> legendary album cover designer. I spoke to him also. Go check in your feed. You'll find that fascinating career. He did not sign this one because then it would be the uh, priceless gent, designed by gent. No, yes. So one of my favorite songs, Blue Monday by New Order. Love it. Love that song. Right, love it. Oh, Great. Classic. Classic, classic. Love the seven-minute version. Love it, right? Okay, but hang on. What is the image? Because I remember it being very plain. That's what I remember. So, listen, New Order, very cutting edge. Yes. Everything they did, they were so experimental. Even some of the stuff they do, people say that there's still references and inspiring music, things that they do nowadays, right? So, the designer, okay, he goes and visits the band, and he's fascinated by the equipment they make. He goes, geez, you guys are doing such amazing stuff. And he finds this thing on the table. He goes, what, what is this? And they say, that, my friend, is a floppy disk. Have you ever seen one? It's like, oh, my God, this thing, this thing, right? Ooh. So let's just go back. Remember what a floppy disk was. Remember it now in your mind's eye. Mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. a quick Google, floppy disk, right? It was the, free, it was the precursor yes. to the stiffy disk. Right. Now. I was a child in <laughs> the early 90s. You are a child. Playing with a floppy and a stiffy, I loved it. <laughs> it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. okay. While our maths teacher was trying to teach us how to play turtle in MS-DOS, put it on your stiffy. <laughs> I'm done, right? So anyway, go back to floppy disk. Imagine in your mind's eye. Remember, it had the little circle in the middle, right? Black had the little circle in the middle. Okay. So yes. he said, I love this thing. Can I take yes. it back to London with me? Off he goes to London. He's listening to Blue Monday on his cassette, staring at this floppy disk, and he goes, I got it. This is going to be the album cover. Okay. So the album cover is actually mm -hmm. a five-inch floppy disk laid out as you would have the floppy disk, right? And it's got a silver inner sleeve. And then it's got like colored blocks down the side, which have no meaning, Right. So he's like, this is great, love it, okay. this is going to be the best thing, right? He breaks down the colors, says, no, maybe there is a meaning, whatever. So they have this thing in there called a color alphabet, okay? This is what made it so expensive, is that this color alphabet now basically gave the album cover coded information. And let me read this here because it gets weirdly technical, Okay. He explained that the color alphabet came from the fact that I understood the floppy disk contained coded information and I wanted to impart the title in a coded form. Therefore, I converted the alphabet into a code using colors. Right? Right. So he says, there's 26, 26 sections of the color wheel. So if you've any, ever done any design, it's a color wheel, all the different colors. He says, 26 sections and each section represents a letter of the alphabet. The first nine colors represent numbers. It makes sense. Yeah. We put on that 80 show, but it's a color wheel. You've got the colors. Colors equal letters or colors equal numbers, right? Right. So by reading the colors, by reading the combination of colors in each block down the side of the front and the back of the sleeve, you get the name of the single and it's B-side, right? So he's not clever because on this album cover, there's no words. It's just colors. Not even the band And name. now he's put the name. Not even the band name, but it's there in colors. Right. So it says, 
Blue Monday on the one side mm -hmm. and the Beach New Order on the other side, right? Okay. Now, as you know, this is why I go to this article because it goes, such shenanigans came at a price. <laughs> Do you have a Google alert on the word shenanigans? Probably. Mm. So the different colors plus the fancy holes, which were now pressed into the single sleeve, cost money. It's rumored um, that it actually lost the label money on each copy sold. Now, remember, it was the biggest selling 12-inch single of all time. It was number right. one on the, I assume, UK, I think it was the UK, it was number one for, I think, over a year. It did not budge from the number one spot mm. for a mm. very, very long time. That I know. So every time they sold a copy, they shat themselves because of this intricate little fucking color wheel that now, <laughs> instead of just put the band name, right? Put the band name, but yeah. no, he has to have this very intricate little color system. I know. Okay, and I, I, I've, I've Googled it. It really doesn't look that amazing. No. <laughs> really. I mean, I suppose it's different. It would have stood out on the shelf of CNA in the 1980s. It would have stood out for you. It was black. Yes. It was plain black of a thin yeah. that very few people in the 80s knew what it was. <laughs> yes. And then maybe for like six months in the 90s, people knew what it was. And since then, nobody knows what the fuck a floppy disk is. <laughs> it's such a tiny window for it to be clever. Um, so if any of you do work with designers of any sort, mm -hmm. it'd be a lesson to you. Do not leave them unchecked. There is such a thing as an idea that's too smart. Okay, so just mm. check the design in your life. What are they doing? Guys, letters, no codes. Just yep. give us letters. <laughs> okay. We now go on to my favorite part of that 80s show. Every part is my favorite part, Dory, but the part I really look forward to is movie recommendations. Now, my old brain, help me. Do I... You said you had a doozy of a movie this week. <laughs> I do. Yes. Okay, I remembered right. I didn't get my weeks. Yes. Oh, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy this with my little floppy disk. Okay, right. Uh, that's actually quite uh, apt. You'll soon find out why. Um, so, <laughs> my movie, oh, the entire thing is on YouTube. Not a good thing. But Never. depends on who you ask because according to some critics, this is an excellent movie. It is extremely arty. To the point where, I don't know if you're aware that Andy Warhol made some films, which are probably the artiest, most obscure thing you'll ever watch in your life. This movie reminded me of those, which are okay. almost impossible to watch. This, I managed to get through it. I almost didn't manage to get through it. I have to say it was, it was a tough watch, but... I'm going to read you some of the, 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 like the critic reviews before I even reveal what it is. And then I'm going to tell you what ChatGPT said about it. <laughs> because oh I asked. Because oh I boy. asked. Oh, boy. No, it's just, it's literally just giving a summary because I could not have summarized it like ChatGPT did if you pay me, if you paid me. So, Roger Ebert gave this movie two stars 
saying, the movie's got some really funny stuff in it, and I liked a lot of it, and I wouldn't exactly advise not seeing it, but it doesn't go that last mile. It doesn't reach for the truly unacceptable excesses, the transcendent breaches of taste that might have made it inspired instead of merely clever. Right? Now, can I please get that and put it into <laughs> chat GPT and say, please translate this into English? <laughs> no, come on. It's like, it's an okay. RT review. But basically okay. he's saying, it's not terrible. It could have been better. You know, that's basically what he's saying. This movie has an average score of 86% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 21 reviews, so we don't really care. But um, the, the website's critics' consensus reads, I'm not going to give you the title, title of movie serves up its spectacularly lurid tale with a healthy heaping of pitch black humor and anarchic vigor. Now, dark comedy is my, my, it's my thing. It's my favorite genre. It is what I live for. So I was really excited when I rediscovered this movie because I had heard of it, but never seen it. And then I saw that it was from the 80s and I was like, yes, a dark comedy that I have never seen from the 80s. I'm so excited to watch it. Yo, is all I can say. Let me read you the chat GPT synopsis. A dark comedy film from 1982 directed by and starring Paul Bartle. The movie follows the eccentric Blands, Paul and Mary, who are a conservative, sexually repressed couple living in Los Angeles. They stumble into a series of bizarre and comedic situations involving swingers and criminals. To make ends meet and fulfill their dream of opening a restaurant, they resort to luring and killing the swingers and stealing their money. The film explores themes of sexual repression, morality, and the lengths people will go to to achieve their goals, all wrapped in a satirical and darkly humorous narrative. Oh, thank God it's wrapped in a narrative. Because that sounds now, like pretty much most private school parents, I've got to be honest. <laughs> Paolo, did the character names ring a bell at all for you? It did. I've got to be honest. I have no idea where from. But as you said, I'm, I was I'm, like, oh, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you because no I, when I went down the, the rabbit hole after watching the movie, I was so excited to see, oh, my God, Paolo's going to know this couple. You're going to know them because it's from a movie you recently spoke about. They are... They make a cameo in the movie Chopping Mall in 1986. Paul and Mary Bland make a cameo. You might have remembered, a part of your brain remembered that. Listen, Chopping Mall, in case you don't know, new mall opens, <laughs> high tech, sophisticated, they have robot guards, mall goes into lockdown, the robot guards, who may or may not be related to Johnny Five, go on a killing spree. Mm-hmm. Recap. It's a great title. I love Chopping Mall as a title. Anyway, Paolo, my dark comedy from 1982 is called Eating Raul. There is a reason the movie is called Eating Raul. No, but Which Gary, predictably gets revealed. Gary, this movie was, do you yes. remember back in the 80s and 90s we had Red Nose Day? We had Red Nose Day in lots of countries, but it hit South Africa in the 80s and 90s. And it was like mm -hmm. most countries, UK will have Red Nose Day, I know Australia has it, which is just a day of fundraising, but they show comedies and things like that. And this movie, Eating Raul, they showed it. 
later in the night, this, and probably not the same year, but kind of around about the same time, with Killer Clowns from Outer Space. This movie was shown on Red Nose Day. It's it's definitely, yeah, it definitely could be paired with a movie. I mean, I've never seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I wouldn't, because clowns are evil. But um, yeah, especially these- it definitely sounds like they could be paired together quite easily, for sure. With a with a tasty roll, paired with a tasty roll. <laughs> with a tasty roll. <laughs> the other thing that would entice you to watch this movie, Paolo, because you can, like I said, on the whole thing's on YouTube. Not the most amazing quality copy, but watchable. There's boobs in this movie. There's a fair amount of boobs. There's also a little bit of male nudity, but it's it's subtle. There, this movie is kind of like. A porno that doesn't quite manage to be a porno. Also, well, let me just well, say up front. There's definitely a cinematic universe happening here because it's Chopping Mall, uh, Eating Raul, and then there is a crossover in a fantastic movie called Night of the Comet, which is a B-grade right. I don't know if I ever spoke about it. I think I meant to. Um, I think I did speak about Night of the Comet. And it seems like they're Sounds all familiar. in a shared universe. And um, yes, then what you're saying, boobs and a porno Oof. that doesn't quite go all the way, like a which like is a what Roger one. Ebert was hinting at, actually. Oh, I think, yes. like, th- there is so much stuff in this movie that is that I mean, this movie would never be made today. It It's very rapey, it's a very yeah. rapey movie, which was common in the 80s, and nobody really noticed or cared or it's yeah it's uh it wasn't easy to watch i'm glad i did watch it because i feel like i have satisfied my curiosity about it now but yeah it's not amazing it's i'm doing a google image search i'm doing a google image search and uh one thing Mm. pops up says eating roll eating roll eating roll hot tub definitely clicking on that Safe search blurring is on, and uh, there is a hot tub scene <laughs> that looks like. Explain the hot tub scene, <laughs> if you okay. recall. No, okay, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. They go to a swingers party. They Not because they want to be swingers, but they go to a swingers party because they want to steal people's money. And it's a very rich people's swingers party. And at, at one point, all the naked, all the naked people run to get into the hot tub. All of them, and like they're all squished into this. But like, a, it's like an one of those big outdoor, old-fashioned wooden, like hot tubs. You know what I'm talking about? Not like your plastic old yes, jacuzzi. Yes, yes. Your, you know what I mean? That's like it. It's like, like a Scandinavian. Ones. Yeah, Scandinavian yes, hot yes, tub. Yes, 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 yeah. okay. yeah. So there's like I don't know, twenty people, twenty naked people, and this is actually where you see most of the male nudity is when they're running towards the hot tub, and they're all running in, and they're all like very drunk and on drugs and all the kind of thing. And it's very funny, actually. So <laughs> what's happened is it, it kind of starts – they're accidentally killing people in the beginning. They're not doing it on purpose. And, again, they accidentally kill someone, kind of. It's uh-huh, kind of. And then they're about to get found out. and But all the people are in the hot tub, and they're about to get found out. So the main guy throws – I don't know, something, something electrical into the hot tub and yeah. it literally fries all the naked people. That's what it looks like. That's probably it what you're like seeing. Yeah. Yes. It's very funny. It's very, And then, of course, they take all their things. So, bonus for them. At no point in this movie 
is anyone looking for them? Are the police looking for this, these killers? Nobody seems to miss the people who they kill. Like, it makes no sense whatsoever. I definitely watched this movie. It was definitely part of the Red Nose Day lineup, eating Raul. I love the whole universe. Chopping Mall, Knights of the Comet, B-grade shit. Love it. So, yeah, my movie, also, yeah, fully available on YouTube. I have come to a so past few weeks that have been talking about are movies that were made in the eighties that were definitely either really low grade sequels to more popular movies or movies made to trick you into thinking that you're watching another movie, right? Yes, uh, so basically, whatever yes. was popular at the time, let's make it. VHS, it'll fool the parents, people will hire us most of the time by mistake. And uh, that's what they did. So a few weeks back, I spoke about Cannonball Run, effectively Cannonball Run 3. It had a whole bunch of different names that kind of did everything Cannonball Run did, except be shit and have Alyssa Milano. <laughs> kind of redeems it. So obviously, Cannonball Run and... Uh, so, But now, I'm getting going to get into a very unique cross-section of movies that try to trick you into thinking it was another more popular movie, but starred the star of the more popular movie. Okay? Okay. Now, Dory, if I had to tell you that I'm going to talk to you today about the movie Terms of Endearment, what would you think? Shirley MacLaine. Right, now Terms of Endearment, classic movie, not a movie that I'd watch at all. Mm. No, okay. not your kind of movie. No, no, no. 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 Yet, I'm going to talk to you about it because it's related to my movie. I'm not even going to ever talk about Terms of Endearment, right? So, Terms of Endearment, terrible thing, woman's relationship, two friends over 30 years, snooze, boring, whatever. Right. But it did stop. I don't think I've ever Jack watched it, I'll be honest. I don't think I've yeah, watched no, it. Yeah, I know. A lot of people watching, mm. they loved it. It was a thing, Oscar winning, all the rest of it. So... But it does, it did have an impact on my movie. So my movie, of course, we know 70s and 80s, Burt Reynolds, he's the guy, so sexy. What a sexiest man. Oh, my God. Think about that era, Burt Reynolds. Mustache, shirt mm. buttoned down to his navel, mm -hmm. lovely Gold chain. rug, chest hair. And, of course, Lots he's smoky and the bandits. Oh, so much. And, of course, he's smoky. And Is he smoky or the bandit? He was smoky. He's I don't smoky. know. I don't know. That's a very long time since I've seen that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're smoky. And then, of course, Cannonball Run. And so he very much had a, a genre. <laughs> he goes, you know what? Instead of going, you know, I've kind of like done the charming, cheeky guy racing cars fast. I'm going to walk away from it. No. He does my movie, which is a movie you've never heard of called Stoker Ace. Stroker Ace. Sorry, Stroker what? Ace. I've Stroker literally Ace. never heard of that. So what happens is obviously he's, you know, the guy does these movies. He's got a friend, he's a director, said, listen, I want you to do a movie exactly the same, except this time you're a NASCAR driver. You're a cheeky NASCAR driver, womanizer, all fun, Smokey and the Bandit, Cannonball Run style, nowhere as good, and it's going to be about NASCAR. Because, but I've done a racing movie. No, no, this is a NASCAR movie. So, okay, cool, it's different. You're my friend, I'm going to do it. Gets all his friends involved. They have a fun time. However, at the time of this movie, he was penned in to do Terms of Endearment. And he told the director, he said, listen, I can't do it right now. I've committed. Promised my friend I'm going to make this movie with him. 
Uh, so I'm out of terms of endearment. Jack Nicholson gets cast in the role and, of course, goes and wins an Oscar for that role, for the role he played in terms of endearment. Burt Reynolds, for years and years afterwards, there's so many interviews of going, fuck it, that could have completely changed my career. I was ready to be that guy. I was ready to be the serious, dramatic actor and I turned it down for this bullshit movie. He even says that movie ruined his career because people, fans turned on him as saying, you're just taking us for fools now. You're doing the same movie over and over, like kind of what The Rock's doing right now. You're just doing the same movie over and over and over again. And Burt Reynolds, this movie ruined my career. So let me tell you about this movie called Stroker Ace. And he's a NASCAR driver and he's renegade. He either wins the race or crashes out because he's so um, gutsy and brave and stupid. And he gets fired from his team because we can't do this anymore. So he now needs a new team. And he signs up with a guy who owns a chain of fast food chicken restaurants. Who, of course, doesn't read the terms and conditions. He has to do all his races in a chicken, in a chicken costume, complete with feet. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> and, of course, this guy who owns a fast food chain comes with staff. So his limo driver is one Bubba Smith, who we'd then see years later in Police Academy as Hightower. Of course, yes. Doing doing all the Bubba Smith things, which is basically being strong and <laughs> turning things over. So basically like a, a, a audition for his role as Hightower in Police Academy. And Loney Anderson, Lonnie Anderson, sorry, Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie. 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 Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie Anderson. Her first movie. From WKRP in Cincinnati. I don't know if she shot this at the end while WKRP of Cincinnati, WKRP in Cincinnati was wrap, wrapping up or it had mm. finished, but this is the first starring role from TV to movie. I'm next to Burt Reynolds. Okay. What year then, is this from? Remind 1982. me. 1982. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, sure. They could have been okay. dating at the time. They could have been dating WKRP at the time. WKRP started in the 70s. It finished in 1982. I just double checked it. So it's kind of like she was okay. in that transition, right? Mm. So she now plays the sex object. And you say about things being very uncomfortable. One of the scenes in this movie, now she's virginal. She doesn't mm. drink. She's the good girl. She does the PR and the marketing for this chicken restaurant. And, of course, Bert Reynolds takes a liking to her, gets her drunk. She passes out in the hotel room. He starts undressing her and even <gasps> says... Even says, I wish you were awake to enjoy this. He <gasps> says it. Oh my God, what in the Bill Cosby is going on? Now, he doesn't go full revenge of the nerds with her. He kind of like has the good Ooh. conscience to go, well, hold on a second. I can't be doing this. Mm -hmm. And walks away from it. And, you know, but like you asked earlier, was that shit? I would love to talk to somebody who would have been like early 20s in the 80s and watch shit like that. It's not even funny. There's no nah. way that that scenario ever was funny. Ever. Ever. It's People found the Revenge of the Nerds thing hilarious. I mean, I don't yeah. think it was ever. Did they find it funny? It's weird. Anyway, so that is the movie, uh, Stroker Ace. That's pretty much all I can say. Once again, Oof. it won a Razzie for Worst Picture it 1982. Sounds, <laughs> it sounds awful. I can't believe both our movies are from 1982. It sounds awful. Awful. My I, movie I would, is the better movie of 1982 than yours, for sure. I would, Although they both a bit rapey. 
No, I would say 1982 was a bad year for movies, but it wasn't. There was a Star Wars in 1982. It was a a good year for movies, but also... Ours were the bottom of the barrel, though. (laughs) Definitely. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. But what it has done is that now, obviously, I didn't do a Burt Reynolds, Burt Reynolds movie, uh, but a Burt Reynolds inspired movie. But I'm kind of like going through Burt Reynolds filmography and I'm like, I'm going in on Burt Reynolds. I'm going to be watching me a lot of Burt Reynolds movies over the next few weeks. <laughs> that's fine because then I don't need to. So that's all fine. Okay. okay. Yes. Okay. We, we got it. You know, I was all in on Chevy Chase. Uh, he was a douchebag. I mean, some yeah. of these Burt Reynolds movies, uh, we got Smokey and the Bandit, of course, Sharky's Machine, The Best Law Whorehouse in Texas. I mean, this mm. guy was doing good movies. This guy was doing he was good very popular. Very popular. The ladies loved oh. him. And I'm sure some of the boys. Some of the boys loved him. Some of the boys loved him. So love me some Burt Reynolds. Do not love Stroker Ace. Do not give that a watch. It um, sounds horrendous. I will not be giving it a watch. You, however, do have to watch my movie or at least refresh your memory about it. I will refresh my memory. It's uh, I definitely <laughs> you can skip through you. to the boob scenes. You'll see them as you, you know, skip <laughs> you, through on you, YouTube. You'll skip tell through. Tell me, to you didn't tell me about the ad in the classifieds in this movie. We do anything. Oh my god! Cruel Carla and Naughty Nancy, two of our most popular routines from Swingers Paradise. That is an ad oh, in yeah. this paper. Very um, funny. That was funny. I have to look. It has funny moments. It's just a movie that's going to make you feel largely uncomfortable. Okay. If you like that, it's for you. A movie where the best part is the end. So that 80s show I threw forward earlier, uh, <laughs> talking about two 80s truths and a lie. It is a very difficult segment to put together because the 80s truth is often stranger than fiction, but I've got some for you. So basically I give Dory three stories, two are true and one is a lie. Uh, and they're all mm-hmm. from the 80s, except this one is in the 90s, but it's got an 80s angle. So Netflix used to be a DVD rental service, right? Not the streamer. Yes. Did you ever hear how Netflix used to work? Used to post the thing, used to send it in the post, right? Used to like post the the video cassette. Correct. Or CD or whatever it was in the post. Correct. Correct. That's it. So you used to go get a form and you filled it out and then you went to put in a post box. And then two days later, you'd come in and your movie was there and you watched it. And then you went to put it back in the post box with your next movie. And you paid a subscription every month. And then they did online. But again, you went online, you clicked which video. You still had to print out the, the form, go put it in the post box. That's how Netflix started. Yeah. True or false? The first movie ever hired out or ever rented out on Netflix in that archaic way was Beetlejuice. Yo, okay. I mean, that's, that's a pure guess. I don't know. That is the Let first me hear the other two and then I'll decide. <laughs> okay. The second one is the prolific 80s sitcom writer Gary Marshall, right? Mm-hmm. He yes. was about to pitch his new TV show to TV executives. And um, <laughs> it was a series about crime-solving genius dolphins called Fun with Flippers. I mean, he told that the just sounds too ridiculous. Okay. He told the receptionist, saw the look on her face, 
and walked in and pitched a movie that he made, a TV show he made up on the spot. And that movie was, TV show was called Mork and Mindy. Right? So. Okay. Gary Marshall arrived on that morning to pitch a show about crime solving, solving dolphins, panicked, and then pitched Mork and Mindy, Robin Williams' first role. That's the second one. Could be true, could right. be a lie. Sounds ridiculous. Must be true. And Priscilla Presley's autobiography about Elvis, about living with mm. Elvis, inspired the song My Own Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. Okay. Two of those are true, one is a lie. Just to remind you that the first DVD ever rented out on Netflix was Beetlejuice. Gary Marshall was originally going to pitch a show about crime solving super dolphins and panicked and instead changed it to Mork and Mindy. And Priscilla Presley's autobiography about living with Elvis inspired the song My Own Personal Jesus. Hmm. Because the Beetlejuice one is the most normal, rational, probable sounding one, I'm going to say that's the lie. Oh, Dory. Um. They're all so ridiculous. So the Beetlejuice one is true. The first movie ever sent out on Netflix okay. when it was for the DVD service was Beetlejuice. Okay. The, the second one is the lie. Okay. But it still has a weird resolve. So there was a show in production about uh, crime-solving dolphins, right? But the whole sequence of events was off. However, did you know that Mork and Mindy, or especially the character Mork, was in the TV show Happy Days, the 70s TV show Happy Days? Well, I never watched that, so... Okay, well, you've you heard know? of it, right? Yeah. It was with, okay, I've heard of with, it. Right? Yes. Everyone's heard of Happy Days. So mm -hmm. in Happy Days, an alien comes to Earth and takes uh, Fonzie back to his planet called Ork, and it was the character Mork. That's crazy. <laughs> he was so popular. Robin Williams was so popular. They go, we got to give this guy his own show, and that's how Mork and Mindy came about. So, so hang on. Mork. So Robin Williams was in Happy Days. Robin Williams was in Happy Days as this alien called, well, he was called Mork and wanted to take him back to the planet but, but, Ork. But I thought Mork and Mindy was his first TV show. Well, it was one episode. Hmm. One I'm going to check your factoid. Uh, okay. All right. His first starring role, perhaps. So, i got to say, though, is that on this Wikipedia article, it does say this article's plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed. You know what you know about detail? It's a lie. So, I'm just quoting Wikipedia, but yeah, it's called an episode called My Favorite Orkin in Happy Days, of which Robin Williams played Mork for the first time. Okay. And then, okay. Uh, yes, my own personal Jesus is that that is a line that uh, Priscilla Presley wrote in her autobiography about living with Elvis. She says, He was my own personal Jesus. Uh, Dave Gahan and the rest of the guys from Depeche Mode saw that line and said, Wow, what a fucking powerful line. That is awesome. We got to make a song about it. And um, inspire them to do the song. So I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't actually yeah. know that. So that's pretty cool. That is very cool. That is very cool. Linking yeah. Elvis and Depeche Mode. Who would have thunk it? Only on that 80 show. Now, Dory, I've got live breaking news on that 80 show. I've just received Ooh. a piece of communication live, live from Krugersdorp as we speak. Okay. I'm going to send okay. it over to you, Dory. 
Look on your WhatsApps. Live from Krugersdorp, something has been spotted in the wild. Okay. Okay. When you receive it. Okay. I kid you not, cousin Louie 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 has spotted a Trans Am in Krugersdorp. Black Trans Am <laughs> looking exactly like Kit. What is going on? <laughs> this, is like, this is breaking news. This is breaking news on the radio show. You literally wrote, I kid you not. Literally wrote, I kid you not. Mm-hmm. He has seen a kit in the wild. Definitely the driver is dressed like David Hasselhoff or Michael Knight. I'm fucking Krugersdorp. I'm telling you right. <laughs> He's dressed like that. That's amazing. We're going to put this up on that 80 Show SA Facebook page. That is amazing. A kit in the wild. A kit in the wild. Kit okay, I've, I've, I've had enough. You can go now. Okay, well, this has been that Eddie <laughs> Show. Everything we spoke about on the show today can be found that Eddie Show is a Facebook page. If you like this podcast, tell a friend about it. And if they remain your friend, then let us know because then that's a lot of pressure off us because we don't want to be ruining friendships, Dory. We don't want to be no. ruining friendships at all. Dory, once again, like every week, so many things we didn't even get to because I wanted to tell you why or what myself and Germany have in common. But we can find that out next week. Oh, Oh, now I'm intrigued. Yes, and it's not Lederhosen. Thanks for joining me, Dory. Goodbye. Okay, bye.